Welcome to Season 2 of the Pull Hook Golf Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt Cook and Bobby Brown. Welcome back, everybody, to Pull Hook Golf, the podcast. This is episode number 26 with Mr. Bobby Brown as the co-host. How are you tonight, Mr. Bobby Brown? Good evening. <laughs> and I am your other co-host, Mr. <laughs> Matthew Cook, your uh, mini tour dropout expert. So uh, if you ever need to know about burnout on the mini tours, I am your guy. But uh, we will go ahead and get started tonight. Now, we've got quite a few topics to talk about. I mean, it was an off week for the PGA Tour, so we didn't have anything going on there, but we did have the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. We're going to recap that. Uh, we're going to get some insights from Mr. Bobby Brown here, uh, yes. who is an expert on the Corn Ferry yes. Tour. And then we've got the Live Golf and uh, the big change there, which is uh, shorts or no shorts. We're going to be talking <laughs> about that. And also the Live Golf Boston uh, recap, as well as, you know, there is the PGA Tour Live Golf fan dynamic, and I want to touch a little bit upon that uh, later on in the episode. We'll also be talking a little bit about the President's Cup. So without further ado, Bobby, let's dive into the yes. Corn Ferry Tour Championship, which is at this beautiful course that's behind me, which is Victoria yeah. National Golf Club in Evansville, Indiana. Right. It is a stunner. Oh, it is. Remember, I was telling you, if you lived in Evansville, you got a sneaky gem in your backyard. I was, first of all, I was, I, last week I was raving about how hard I thought that golf course was the few times that I had been there. And they, they really, they shot the lights out of it. That's for sure. It must've got a little bit wet and they were firing at flags and, you know, and, and, and the cream pretty much rose to the top with Justin, Justin Sue, who graduated from Southern Cal and he was, uh, I'll give you a little background on him. He comes off of a Walker Cup team that had these names included. You've heard of a couple of these guys. Will Zalatoris, Cam Champ, Scotty Scheffler, Maverick McNeely, Norman Jong, Doug Gim. Uh, did I say Colin Marikawa? No. Wow. No. Braden Thornberry. Um, that that uh, Walker Cup team may be the second greatest behind the Dustin Johnston Walker Cup team. Guess who got the snub for that Walker Cup team that year? Oh. He's a good golfer. His name's Sam Burns. You ever heard of him? Ooh. He's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Justin, Justin was on that team, and he was pretty highly regarded coming out of college. And it's funny, I did that little stint I was telling you about with for Norman Jong for about a month to try and see what the deal was with his game. And he signed a big contract with Callaway for six or $7 million. And I asked him, I go, tell me about this, Justin. So, and he goes, Oh, he's going to be on tour and he's going to be on tour for a long, long time. I go, what's special about him? He goes, he's not afraid. He's got a great attitude. Nothing gets him down. He keeps grinding and he's just an absolute winner. And, and I know Norman pretty good and, and coming from his lips, you know, I think we saw, you know, the real Justin. So he had been trying, you know, he had been trending all year this year. He was getting closer. He was getting closer. He, for people that don't know, there's 50 new members of the PGA tour, right? Matt, 25 of them came off their points list at the end of the season. And then the top 75 off of that list rallied up with the top set with 126 to 200 on the PGA tour. They met last week Oh, excuse me, what last week was the third of three weeks that they met and then 25 more cards were given out. But what's most impressive about Justin is 
is when you combine the two, you come up with a number one. They have a system, you come up with a number one, and that would be Justin. So Justin doesn't have to shuffle, doesn't have to reshuffle. I was trying to clue our viewers, our listeners, into the fact that everybody other than Justin Sue that's a new member starts at zero points, zero FedEx cut points, right, Matt? And after after six weeks, I believe it is, six or seven weeks on tour, they reshuffle by points. So there's always jockeying and some, you know, 13 can go to one, can go to two, two to, can go to 13, um, 49 can move it up to 32 or what have you. So he's in a great position. Not only is he not in a reshuffle category, if I'm not mistaken, I know 100% he gets in the players and he's also exempt into that little tournament called the U.S. Open. So hats off, hats off to him. I, I got a soft spot in my heart for him because um, my man that I work for, Troy Merritt, his agent is a great guy named Peter Webb. He has a very small shop, does everything himself, doesn't have any employees. His stable is Troy Merritt, Maverick McNeely, and Justin Sue. So he is pretty loaded with his three guys. So I was pretty stoked about I was pretty stoked about that. There was there was some drama out there late. I don't know if you got a chance to tune in. Um, I look oh, forward I to it. Yeah, I look forward to it because all hell's breaking loose there the last two hours, and there's that dog fight for the lap for the 20 you know it changes every putt <clears throat> excuse me or every shot you know night that one guy's projected at 28 and then he makes a couple birdies and he's projected at 19 or 21 and it's just back and forth back and forth all the time so it's super it's super exciting um i'm going to tell you that if you looked at the list and i'm not talking shit but if you looked at the list of the 25 guys that came out of this Evansville tournament, you're going to see a bunch of names of guys that, and I'm, I'm not being negative, but I would say probably Matt 13 or 15 of those guys have been, been there, done that guys, right? Yeah. Michael, uh, Ryan Armour, Ryan Armour, who's a bulldog, who's won Jackson, Mississippi's in there. Um, it's just a, it's a who's who Ben Martin is in there. I wish I had my list for me. Give me one second. So you've you got David Lingmurth. You've got Lingy. Austin cook. Uh, yes. Nick Hardy. Yes. Uh, let's see who else. Nick Hardy. Well, there? Nick Hardy was was a rookie last year, so I'm not going to give him a one and done. Yeah, true. Been there, done that because he was trending and he got hurt during the year. Joe Bramlett, Henrik Norlander, right? Ben oh, Martin. Yeah. We touched on Ryan Armour. Here's a name that's a super nice guy that's been back and forth two or three times. People don't know about Nicholas Lindheim is there. Scotty Harrington is back. Scotty Harrington has got to be 65 years old right now. No, I'm just kidding. I caddy for Scott way back in the day in 2008, a final stage. He was a super bomber then. If you're a super bomber in 2008, you're probably an average hitter now. But, you know, his wife is the cancer survivor. He's a great guy. It's a great story. He's back. Um, Bryce Garnett, Brian Stewart, otherwise known as Mr. Miserable, because when you get paired with him, he just hates golf. Fuck golf. <laughs> Why am I doing this? I'm going to lose my card. I'm going to absolutely lose my card. And I gave you my big hearted neighbor sneaky pick. I've often said this a million times to a lot of people. And I got this from Charlie Hoffman because we were talking about this one day. It is, it's way harder to get to the PGA tour than it is to stay on the PGA tour for a lot of guys. And I was, I was talking about Kyle Westmoreland in general because he's a super bomber, hits at 330, 340, and he snuck in, somehow snuck into the last spot. He was back and forth between 21 and 26, made a birdie on the very last hole. I got to, I got to see this. 
and he and number 26 believe it or not not that i'd like to talk about 26 is a buddy of mine that played at georgia joey garber you probably know that name joey garber if i'm not mistaken double bogeyed 14 and then he birdied 15 16 17 and 18 coming home and i think he ends up missing by seven points or eight points but it's just outside yeah and so he's just outside the number and he's right back to the corn fairy tour it's got to be it's got to be crushing but we got to talk about my son's stud pearson cootie who unfortunately had to withdraw after round one and i'll give you the skinny on that apparently my son was telling me at ohio state he had hit it in some rough somewhere and had tweaked his wrist somehow his left wrist somehow missed the cut which it probably was a good thing because he got to go home and he rested it for a couple of days and he came back out and Dan said early in the week, he could tell something was off. Somehow he made it through the 15, first 15 holes. Dan said, just plodding around there. And we, he was three under and then he hit a drive. Listen, if, if you go to a tour event and you know, you're a good player. If you can see a guy hit a drive offline 15 or 20 yards, you're like, Oh my God, what the hell was that? Right. Dan said he hit a drive on 16. I believe that was like 70 yards offline. Like they had no idea. That was like DJ where- whistling straights. What? That was only 60, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up in a bunker. <laughs> and so, and so uh, he made a double bogey there. I think he made a par. And then he hit it 50 yards left on on 18 there, which is, is uh, excuse me, on nine. He was finishing on the other side on nine, which is a pretty hittable par five. I hit it way left and tried to gouge it out of there and hurt that wrist again. And And Dan said he... After they signed their scoring thing, Dan's like, oh, man, my man's in bad shape. So he's like, let's go to the range. He said he took about three swings, couldn't even swing. Oh. He said a lot of Hail Marys that night, showed up the next morning. You know, of course, you're going to go, well, all these guys go and pop for it first before the round. Went to hit some putts. Everything was fine. Hit a few chip shots. Everything was fine. Maybe hit a couple wedges. And he's like, I guess he just kind of lost it emotionally, you know, broke oh. out in tears and just devastated that a guy that's you know, just turned pro is so highly regarded coming out of college and, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. Everybody's path is different, but that's just really, that's just really bad luck. So, you know, he is, he's gone home to get some treatment and that kind of stuff. I did get an update from my son. He's not feeling that much better. He's, he's, he saw a doctor. Um, I don't know exactly what the diagnosis is, but it didn't sound good. Um, and the bad thing is, is I know Dan had a long talk with his agent, who is Mike Chisholm, the same family that has Wills Delators. And he is, when we swing into the fall, the varsity players really don't play Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler crew. They'll play in like CJ Cup and Zozo in Japan, a couple of, and maybe one other random one, maybe Vegas or something. They show up in a few of the big ones, but like the Snappa Fields, 156 guys. So everybody, everybody gets in so my point is is they go fishing for sponsors exemptions every week there's four sponsors exemptions right so pearson is the top of the list and was gonna is looking like he was gonna get in a spot into napa into zozo possibly the 70 man field um two or three other ones and then i talked to dan today and he's like man he doesn't even think that he's gonna be able to make He's going to be able to make Napa. So hopefully he heals up nice and he gets in. I know, total bummer. He gets in two or three spots, um, you know, during the fall. So he'll have some golf still going, you know, before the Corn Ferry uh, shows up again. And I don't think they really show up until 
February or March or something, they start marching through Louisiana. But I'll give you, I'm going to give you the Bobby Brown studs coming out this year. You ready? Okay. I've already talked about Kyle West. I'm going to give you studs and I'm going to give you sleepers. Okay. Okay. Studs, my Korean SH Kim is a stud who Micah is now officially working for. Um, not that he dropped Scott Piercy like a bad habit, but he's dropping Scott Piercy like a bad habit to move for this young Korean. And I've heard from, and I got more phone calls the last three or four, the last three or four days from guys saying, this Kim guy, this Korean guy you've been talking about has the best move I've ever seen, which is no surprise out of Korean, right? They're all rhythm. They all look great. Their golf swings are phenomenal. You can't, there's nothing really Wait, which wrong. Which Kim are we talking about here, Tom? I'm talking about, Ed, no, no, not little fat boy. <laughs> not fat boy. Fat boy's already established. This is SH Kim who finished, I believe he ended up finishing seventh or ninth on the the first 25 list, the first oh, 25. Oh, I got guys. you. Sorry, I, I, I totally missed that one. Did you did you know that he w, he was two shots off the lead? And I go, I heard about, Daniel called me about Pearson WDN. And so I'm scrolling through the leaderboard and I'm like, where's Kim? I'm going all the way up and down. I can't find Kim. He's two out of the lead. And I go all the way down. He WD'd. He got COVID the night before and I guess ah. was throwing up. And, and so he had, I didn't get the real skinny from... Um, friends with his agent, Danny O, who's Sung Jay's agent. He just told me he was in really bad shape. There was no way that he was going to lie or fake that he didn't have COVID because that's just not the way to do it. I know some guys would have done that, but, you know, he to, to not play and not have a chance, you know, he must have been super sick. But he's he's one of my studs, right? So Kim's one of my studs. Justin Suh's one of my studs. Taylor Montgomery is is one of my studs. My sleeper picks are Kyle Westmoreland, who I've talked about. And I fell in love with this guy named Eric Barnes. Do you know that name? Not a lot of people do. He's no. been on the Corn Ferry Tour for, I'm going to say, six years or wow. seven years. And he Mondayed into Houston a couple of years ago. And when I was working for Sung Jay, we got paired with him. And this is one of those guys I'm like, oh, my God, this is this guy hits. He hits it a mile. He has, it hits a low driving cut off the tee. He cuts his irons. His wedge game looked phenomenal. And I was just like so impressed. And I'm like, after the round, I'm like, dude, you have got to get to the tour because you are going to make bank. Your game just reeks of it. He's like, man, I'm trying my best. Every year I get a little bit better. Do you know what he's known for? I don't know if you know the article, but he has two little boys at home. I'm going to guess they're like 11 and seven or 11 and eight. They were following him around during the round. And it was just, it's just so cool to see dads out there with their kids following, especially when you know a guy's going to finish like 25th or 30th in a PGA tour event, because even before these, these purses skyrocketed, that's 25, 35, 40, 50, 60 grand. So he's famous during COVID that he went to work at Publix at the graveyard shift from midnight till seven in the morning, stocking shelves. I think I did hear that story. Yeah, Yeah. Is that not a reason to root for this guy? So Eric Barnes is on my, Eric Barnes is on. That's a name to remember right there. Eric Barnes. And I've also been doing a little research the last 48 hours because I want to know who the dicks are that are coming out, right? There's always a couple dicks. <laughs> Excuse me. Top of the list, let's go with Brandon Matthews. That's right, Brandon. You heard it from me. I did some investigating. We all know you drove the 18th green there. Did you see his tee shot? Yeah, that was Did you see that tee shot? It's like a three 
It's a 370 cover. Granted, the T's, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for him. It's a fucking palm, right? And he sent this seed out there. It's a 370 cover. I know where, I know how far right you can go and how far left you can go. Uh, 18 out there is a wicked, is a wicked dog leg left to right with water all the way around, right? So you can Sammy safety and hit a 235 shot out to the left and leave yourself maybe a seven or an eight iron in. Medium to longer guys can cut the corner. There's like a 296 cover and about a 330 through. And I know these lines pretty good because I worked for Grayson Murray there one a few years back and he's super bomber, right? And, you know, he was asking me, he's like, what is it to drive the screen? And I'm like, just slow down there. Junior. We're not <laughs> just slow down, but 30 yards left. It's 320 to cover. And with 20 yards downhill off the tee, Grayson Murray certainly got that. But I was pretty impressed with that, with that tee shot. Everybody was impressed with that tee shot, but Jesus Christ, there's not even a talk. He was too off the cut line and he really didn't have a, didn't really didn't have a choice, you know, but he got after it, but Vincent is doing some investigating and he's apparently his shit don't stink already oh. played in like two or three PGA tour events. And another big name that I'm not going to say my son gave it to me. Although my son gave it to me is this, can I call a guy a tool before I've ever oh, for met sure. him? Remember this tool bag, Brent Grant. Do you know Brent this name, Grant. Brent Grant? No. Yeah. I So he won, I, I know that he won earlier this year, like the fifth or sixth event. Look, I'm going to back up for a second. If you win on the Corn Ferry Tour and you don't get your card during the regular season, that's a, like a disappointment, right? Because oh, for sure. when, if you've won the fifth or sixth event, you have a head start over everybody, right? So this Brent Grant apparently likes to fucking fist pump on Thursdays after he makes a couple birdies, right? Which doesn't. The veterans aren't really into that once you get to the PGA Tour. And Daniel says his signature line every time he buries a long putt is he fist pumps up to the hole and he goes, I was made for this game. So <laughs> congratulations, Grant. You were made for this game. You got your card. You didn't get it. You didn't get it in the season after winning. I did a little research on you. You played fabulous. You played 22 events on the Corn Ferry Tour. I believe you missed 12 cuts, 11 cuts or 12 Ooh. cuts. So he could be a feast or famine kind of guy. So I don't, I don't know if he has the, <coughs> excuse me, he, if he has the proper edge because that shit doesn't really fly out there that much. Mm. You know, everybody kind of is gotta a little be consistent. Bit, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who he thinks he's going to intimidate out there to tell you the truth, you know, but you got to be a little bit more consistent, but maybe he does have the game that's going to get hot for two or three weeks. And then we'll just, you know, we'll just we'll just see how it goes. I was made for this game. I can't get over that. You surprised me with that one. Well, I've heard I've heard a lot of comments, and I've seen a lot of cocky guys come and go. Most of them go, you know. Um, and we'll we'll just see. But it's funny. I'm when, when I roll. You know, we're starting right back up again next week, right? I'm yeah. out of here. So I'm right. The vacation time's over. This little break we have, we're going right to Napa. It's a 156-man field. All of these guys are going to get in. Some of the guys that finished 126 to 150 on the money list last year, it's not going to be the strongest field. I mean, you're going to have your good players. You're going to have your Webb Simpson and your defending champ, champ Max Homa. There's no easy events on the PGA Tour. Let's yeah. put it that way. Excuse me. And I'm up. I, I can hardly walk, wait to walk by the range. It kind of eyeball this Brandon Matthews and this Brant Grant guy and see exactly what they're all about and how they feel when they look down the range and there's 70 or 80 other guys warming up that don't that have no fucking idea who they are so I'm, I'm off to the shit I'm off to the shit talking early so that's like a little am I, am, am I missing anything on, on any of those guys I don't think so that was kind of my I mean you summed of, it up as 
best as yeah. I've ever heard. I mean, yeah. the Golf Channel yeah. doesn't even sum it up that well. Yeah, are they in trouble right now? I just pulled on social media a couple hours ago, and people are bagging the Golf Channel. Well, does everybody think that the Golf Channel is going to be pro-live, especially with the Patrick Reed versus the Golf Channel and and that's a good point right there and, and all that kind of stuff and hey listen i'm not a huge i'm not a huge fan of some of those people that call the golf or work for golf channel that what's his name the eamon eamon is it eamon eamon lynch i'm not a, i'm not a huge fan of them i think they could reshuffle up their announcers especially on on pga tour live we need we need more guys like matt every out there more been there done that guys you know not this guy do you watch pga tour live they got this like I lead by his name his name's the coach. Did he used to be yep. a WWC wrestler? Yes. Or no, no, no. Like he that. was he was an announcer. He he worked for oh. ESPN afterwards, and then mm-hmm. went to the Golf Channel after that. And now he's doing some of the PGA Tour live stuff. This guy, and, this, man, this guy's never played golf in his life. I'm no. sure of it. But I, you know what? After listening to him and that kind of stuff, and and I didn't really pull up his bio or anything like that. And in 2022, I can't make the comment I'm going to make, but I'm going to make it anyways. I'm guessing he checks a box. Yeah, could. Yeah, I mean, to have that job. That that is know? plausible. I mean, it's one of those to where he's a media personality, right? More so than like right. a golf analyst, right. and right. he's trying to fill a golf analyst role. So it's not yeah. a good fit. And that's yeah. why, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on all of those. Yeah. It's so funny. It's it, listen to, I'll tell you what the two, oh, the three, the, the I'm going to go four now. The four people I hate to listen to the most, this coach dude, the check the box dude, I cannot stand. Chantel McCabe, I cannot stand. Um, who, who Who's the other heavier set chick that played on the LPGA. Christina Kim is absolutely horrible. And then there's a, there's a fourth one I can't stand either. And I can't remember who the hell it is, but maybe someday, well, if I didn't have such a potty mouth and foul language, maybe (laughs) I could get in there and do some of that. Matt, that's, that's, no, you, you, I mean, no, but Bobby, I mean, you're, you're the natural fit, my friend. You're the one with all the tour experience. Smiley Kaufman is horrible. If Smiley Kaufman wasn't buddies with Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler, would he even be having a job? He's not relevant. And another thing that bugs me about Smiley, I'm getting petty now. When I go sunglass shopping, because I'm a sunglass whore, right? I put on the sunglasses and I want to know if they look good on me. Did fucking Smiley never look at the size of his nose and those sunglasses that he wears? I fire all the time. I got that burner account. I want to give everybody the name of my Twitter burner account. It's so foul and so rude, the shit that I say about some people that I would probably have somebody knocking on my door within the next oh, seven days. Gosh. Bad news for them. I'll be in Napa trying to make some money. Listen, listen I, I think if you are actually doing on course, if the... If you ever stop caddying, which I, I, I don't yeah. ever want you to because, no, goddammit, you are will. good at it. But, yeah. man, would you absolutely destroy that PGA Tour Live? Like, people would actually tune in to Bobby Brown on their calling shots and just oh. laying into some people. Like, Colt does a pretty good job. Colt keeps it real on there um, when yeah. he's on. Uh, yeah, every good. did a good job when he was on there. And, I mean, it's like they need more guys like that. That, Aaron Price. Aaron Price is another good one too, right? Aaron Price. I don't know if you remember Aaron Price. He's an Aussie that played on tour two or three yeah. times. Was 
you know, was a really, really good player. He caddies quite a bit for Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk is the guy that's known that he doesn't, I won't say he doesn't like caddies, but he doesn't like the same face on his bag every week, right? So he changes every two or three weeks. He brings in a buddy. He brings Aaron Price. He'll bring in this guy. He'll bring in that guy. Um, Don Cooper comes in a lot, who worked for Lucas Glover for 17 years. So there's there's something about that. I like it. It keeps it, it, keeps it fresh, too. And he's not a big talker out there, Chris Kirk. But, you know, could you see me out there calling in? And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe you fucking airmailed that green something that's like, what we need though I mean, oh, i'd start ripping on caddies left and right <laughs> my biggest pet peeve is people that rip on caddies because the caddies never hit a shot but i'd be the fucking first one to jump on the bandwagon right what's he fucking thinking what is he thinking you See, got anything? I, to, you got anything I, to say tonight? Yeah, I, 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 had, I had a, I had a, an idea for PGA Tour Live, which was basically that on Friday, when it, you know that guys are like the bottom of the leaderboard, I would yeah. love to do that broadcast, yeah. right, and just right. be like. Oh, here comes Johnny, and uh, my God, is he not put it in the fairway today? I guarantee this one's going to be a hook to the left. <laughs> it's just like, that, I would love to do that commentary. I think that I would be a, an absolute blast. I haven't listened to him in two years because I couldn't take it anymore, but I, I heard a little Bob Minery in you right there. <laughs> I heard a little Bob Minery in you there. Sure. We got a... Um, uh, we got a big tournament coming up this week too in Europe, don't we? The BMW at Wentworth. Well, that's that's, that's like, been some controversy. I mean, we d- we didn't really uh, have that on the list for tonight, but I mean, let's talk about it real quick. Let's dive into I, this I'm controversy. Open up by saying this: I love Billy Horschel. Sometimes I hate Billy Horschel, but I love Billy same Horschel. same. And in this yeah. moment, I actually love Billy Horschel because I'm like, man, yeah. you are outspoken and you're saying everything that it like. From what you and I talk about, right? Like that's what most of the guys on the tour feel, but they're not yeah. going to come out and say. It. Yeah. And yeah. Billy just says it how it is, and like that's yeah. what I love. Yeah, I love that. I love that about Billy. I mean, I think he's a whiny baby quite a bit, you know. And I don't. He can be for sure. Yeah, he can be, but no, I guess nobody's perfect. And I and I and I read and I I listened to John John Rom's little two minute fifty six interview too, and he's just man, nobody sounds. Mm. That guy's smart, right? He's like legitimately super high IQ smarties. I'm not saying he says all the right things, but he's not thinking about what he's saying. He It just comes out and he just says everything perfect. And he said it. He's like, yeah, man, these guys, you know, this. I'm not mentioning any smart this way. He's not mentioning any, any names, you know, but they're here for world rankings to try and, you know, they... They, Matt, they knew what they were getting into, right? When they went over there, they knew they weren't going to play in any majors. These guys aren't going to fucking get into Augusta. There's no way Augusta's going to let this happen. So, you know. Did you see the preemptive attack, though, on Augusta? No. no. By Bubba and by um, some of the other guys. Huge bag. They all kind of started coming out with the same thing, which sounds like it's Liv Golf's PR department that is kind of preempting them to say, listen, if you don't want to have me, even though I'm in, like, I, yeah. who's the other one? I, I can't put my finger on it. Bill? Um, was it Bill? Phil's running his mouth again, too, right? It wasn't Phil. It was Bubba, who is a former Masters champion. So he's obviously has an invite to go back. But he's like, if, if and this was the only thing that I'll agree with him on. If you don't want me, I don't want to be there. And I forget who else said that. Um, there's one more player that's on live that said the exact same thing. Sergio, was it Sergio? I believe it might have been Sergio. Yeah, I, I think you might be right there. I love and 
The thing is, I, I would, my one thing with this and where I think it kind of fits the fans, but at the same time, it's also a personal opinion on it. I'd love to just see the guys who are exempt into or have the previous um, championship for the Masters and so forth. I'd love to see them. Yeah, I mean, the four majors, I think those are sacred. And I do think that the live guys should have an opportunity to play in those. I don't know how that all works out with world golf rankings and the invitation from the masters and so forth. The master seems like it's going to be the most controversial one. Whereas like the PGA and also, and the, here's the other thing. It's the PGA, right? That's the PGA's championship. Do they allow, I mean, they don't love the PGA tour. I mean, they even teach it in their handbook. (laughs) It's like, you know, they talk very negatively on the breakup with the PGA tour when Arnie and uh, Nicholas were uh, proponents of that. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic, but I would love as a fan, if I take myself out of the kind of the media personality standpoint and put myself in a fan position i'd love to see those guys four times a year be able to compete against pga tour players international players and so forth i know i and here's the thing that's not the sentiment on the pga tour i'm not disagreeing with you get out of here you know i i thought i read something where patty who harrington is another very intelligent guy if I read it the right way, I'm pretty sure he was saying, he's like, hey, these four majors are supposed to be the cream of the crop. And I think that's what his way of saying is maybe these guys should play in the majors to see, you know, because because it is about the fans. Right. It's not about us or our opinions or anything like that, because we're so much on the inside that we know we know these players the way that, that a normal fan would not know these exactly. players. And my point exactly is, you know, we have. What's the old saying? If you want to insult somebody, what is it? Politics, religion, and I forget the third one. But politics you know, and religion are two two good stories. Yeah, those are the two big ones. There's a third one there. I don't know what it was, but it can't be that important. But you know, when I read this stuff out of book, we have a huge there, there's a nice little Christian fellowship following out there on the PGA tour. And they go to their meetings, you know, and they have a little Bible study or what have you. Bubba likes to play that card. I know Bubba pretty well. I don't buy it one bit. You know, I think he's using the Bible as a God. I can't use Bible and bullshit in the same sentence, but I think he's over, but I think he's overdoing it with the whole Bible card. And we prayed on it. And my son told me that, and I asked my kids and they said, I should do this and I should go to live. And I'm like, Oh my God, this guy is using his, his kids in the Bible. It's pawns. I just don't feel feel bent about that, man. I just don't feel that it's right. But let's just get back to this. Bubba loves him some Bubba, right? Nobody loves Bubba more than Bubba does. And, and just, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. I tuned in to live off and on um, over the weekend, you know, and I almost, I almost turned it off when he was out there being Bubba, you know, talking and doing announcing and that kind of stuff with the encore stuff is, is a little rough. He's brutal. They're, they're, man, they're horrible. Okay, Faraday, Faraday's Faraday, right? Give him his, I'm going to say it, give him his Xanax, give him his Vicodin. Oh, dude, Faraday's great. Don't don't get me started on Faraday because that dude, no matter what he's on, he's got one liner after one liner. I know for a fact he's on the good shit, you know? And I shouldn't say that because I know he tragically lost his son to, 
you know, some, to some issues and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but like he's that. fought it but too. He's fine. But fucking get rid of Jerry Fultz, right? He's a glorified yeah. and no disrespect to the LPGA, but that's right where he fits. You know, he he acts like he was some superstar player. The 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 uh, the who's the other one? Don Belay. I like it. Yeah, you like Dom? <laughs> no, I like his accent. Get it straight. But there's another there's another one on there that I like that's in the booth with him. Who's the third one that's in oh, the booth? Oh gosh. Oh my god, I'm gonna blank on the name. He reminds I know exactly me of Peter who you're talking Alice about. a little bit. He reminds me of Peter Alice a little bit. Remember the old school European announcer, Peter Alice? What's this yes. guy's name? I, I, think, I can't think of I, I'm I gonna pull it up though. Okay. Where, as oh, gosh, going. get rid of it. I'm gonna say Asian chick. But get rid of the Asian chick. She's pathetic. What a, what is her name? Do you know what her name is? And then the super and the super bomber. Sue Anang. Yeah. Sue Anang. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Excuse me. What did you call me? Sue Anang. You talked to me. Um, like Arlo that. White is the one in uh, the booth yeah. with Jerry. Foles. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't. I don't mind him either. But there's, you know, Faraday could be in the booth by himself, right? You know, with the action going so fast, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. like it almost feels like there's too many people involved, to be honest with you. Yeah, like you, you should have your on course people and you should have right. your one guy in the studio and, right. and they're, they're interacting. I get confused when they go from one hole to the other. I'm like, where is this guy? I know they have the running leaderboard on the left, you know, but when somebody goes to hit a shot, they'll drop 10 names off and you're like, where the fuck is so and so? I think there's a little. You know, I think they they got to do a little. Bobby, I've got a lot of friends that are all live golf fans at this point. Like a lot of people like the feel and the look to it. Like, because I have a lot of friends that aren't necessarily golfers. Like I didn't necessarily really grow up in a pure golf crowd. Like I was very much a sports person. So um, getting into golf and so forth. So a lot of my friends are texting me and they're like, Matt, do you know what the hell is going on with like this team thing? And like, what, how do scores count? How does that team thing work? And then they're getting confused. They're like, hang on a second. It's been saying one hole to play. And I've seen Cam Smith play three holes now. It's like, and they tried at one point to drop in a little line around, like they're still working through some of the, like, this is the fourth event, right? So they're still trying to work through a lot of this stuff, but yeah. I even threw a little recommendation to them. I'm like, listen, if you're going to go into the team side of this and really push the team element, you kind of have to go all in and really explain right. it and at least show the graphic all the time to right. where you're constantly pulling up the three players that matter on that final day and gray yeah. out the fourth player, even if they're close, like, Put yeah. them as to what their score is and yeah. gray them out so that they know that that score is not counting. And we yeah. kind of saw it with the aces yeah. to where Pat Perez was, his score was counting and he started off really hot. And then there was the Bubba Watson interview to where they don't like each other. Let's just put it that way. Oh. They, they can't stand each other. And Bubba right. was asking him questions and Pat's like, I can't even find the face of my golf club right now, blah, blah, blah. And it was a very negative like interview. Yeah. And then some yeah. of the guys even made comments in the booth, like Jerry Fultz made a comment to where all the other guys were like, whoa, hang on a second. Like, do you just said that about Pat Perez? Like, uh, don't think that was the smartest <laughs> I thing. I heard that. I can't stand the motherfucker. <laughs> but he did career last week, didn't he? he should, well, he did. And, and then as soon as he had the Bubba Watson interview, he freaking yeah. goes and is five over yeah. over the next like six holes. 
if you know Pepper, and you do know him the way I know, him, if you know Pepper is the way I know him, as soon as that double bogey showed, listen, he doesn't play good under pressure. We, you know, he just never has played good under pressure. He's a three-time winner, four-time winner. Yes, he kept his card for umpteen years. I know he made a big. When you, when you think a player makes a million dollars in PGA Tour, you're like, wow, that player made a million dollars. That ain't jack shit, Not right? Anymore. You you got to get to what you got to be one five or one six in that range, which means you were somewhat competitive five or six weeks out of the year. Really, not one million. You probably have one good week, possibly possibly too, but it's, it's no coincidence that when Pat Perez makes a double bogey, you can guarantee that there's boxes on that scorecard within the next 45 minutes. And I think he had, well, of course. Oh, it was the next three holes, Bobby. Yeah. Then they went went double bogey, bogey, bogey. And I think another bogey, I I'm not positive on that because you can't really look up this stuff. Didn't stop him from getting up there and squirting that fucking champagne and everything like that, taking his 750 grand. But I did get a kick out of the interview where somebody asked him something like that. And it's like, is this a dynasty? And he's like, well, these three are a dynasty, but it's almost like I got the, the, you know, the, the feeling that he knows he could be on the bubble for relegation or, or DJ could be shopping him because like I've said numerous times and we talked about in the past when January 1st rolls around, that money goes all the dust into the team owner and he decides wh- how he divvies it up. He could keep it himself. Um, you know, is he going to put it to branding and that kind of stuff? Oh, speaking of the team thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so they have four more events. They have Chicago coming up. I think they have Bangkok, somewhere in Saudi Arabia, and then they go to Trumpy's place, Doral, for the team championship. So there, let me ask you, Matt, because you're more of an expert on this tour than I am, bless your little heart, and is there, there's no individual winner that week, right? It's all team thing? That, it's supposed to be that way. Who knows if it's going to stay that way? Gotcha, gotcha. And are these guys... Okay, so I tuned in with like five or six holes to go because uh, because I didn't know I didn't know how you how you uh, the first week or so I'm just like how does this team thing work is it the last day and then you explained to me no it's two scores from this day two scores from that day right so now I'm all bitter and I'm all aggravated because I'm like oh fucking Perez is actually helping out son of a bitch my old I'm on vacation for two days down in I'm not going to say Myrtle Beach because we didn't go that far, but Myrtle's Inlet, right? So I'm on the beach. I got the phone. My favorite thing to do is watch my kids body surf and boogie board for two days and not doing anything. I got my phone. It's overheating. You know, I got to hold it like this. I got to cool it off with the ice packs and shit like that. And I'm like, God damn it. Perez is helping out. Well, he didn't end up really helping out. But No, none of his scores counted the last two events. Yeah. What a what a surprise! And then you read all this stuff, and they're like, "Oh, he's made so and so." And I'm like, "God, these stupid motherfuckers don't even know that that actually is coming out of his ten million dollars." So it's not it's not on top of that. I did I did hear. I don't know if I touched it on it last week, but I'm pretty good friends with Keith Sabarbaro, who is the head of the tour department on the PGA Tour, and does and people are like, "Oh, well, Dustin won four million dollars, but it's coming out of his contract." Back up, folks. I think Dustin's contract's a little different than Pat Perez's. I think Dustin's on top of the hundred and some million dollars. I think so too. He still he's he still gets that. But you know, um, I'm confused on the team thing too because with five holes to go, I thought that they were four or five shots back, right? And I'm like, they were, but then Patrick Reed showed up. Yeah, that son of a bitch. Yeah, Yeah, no, but he ended up going from I think plus one for the day to all of a sudden a couple under par where Perez was coming down. And right. so as their scores were shifting, all yeah. of a sudden they started climbing back up, up the leaderboard. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you got Gooch and freaking DJ at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. So you got that going yeah. for you. But yeah, the first two days, so that everybody knows, the first two days, only two scores count from, okay. from the four-man teams. Okay. Then on the final day, to kind of up the ante, that like you just can't win with two players. You can't have two superstars and win with that team, which we kind of saw um, on the last day because uh, there was the Iron Heads, which is made up of Kevin Na and his squad. And yeah. you started to see that like some of the, I hate to call them no names, but guys that we're not familiar with, right? Yeah, you, that, can't, you can't pronounce the one guy's name that it's on Kevin's. No, it's on Kevin's. not a chance. That would be part of my problem if I ever got onto a broadcast is right. that I can't pronunciate people's names, so I'm not even going to try. But his right. team, all of a sudden, those guys started to fade, especially towards the end of the round, and all of a sudden you started to see the team drop. And that's because three scores are counting out of the four players on that final day. And right. that's how the team event works, but they don't do a good job on the broadcast of actually showing you team after team after team as to who's pl what players right. you should be paying attention to. Right. They're so focused on the individual player. And that's where I'm like, you got to sell out on the team. Like a lot of people love this team aspect to it. Like I yeah. hear from people that aren't necessarily previous golf fans and it comes up a lot and it's like, why aren't they talking more about the teams? Because they were touting the teams in the first three events. Now this event was very individualized because you had a lot of guys that were big names up at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, you had Cam Smith up there. You had our replacement player, Mr. Anupan <laughs> Lahiri. I mean, he was pulling a straight-up Keanu Reeves out there from <laughs> replacement players. My and least favorite guy almost got it done. Oh, he almost did. He played yeah. unbelievable. And then, yeah. he I mean, he, he didn't joke either it's just dj dropped that bomb on the last oh but God, that i'm getting so ahead of myself here with live golf i mean we're basically diving <laughs> into a boston recap here we'll dive into the shorts next but the one thing that i will say about that is the aces did win the third event in, the, in a row and but well, people if, don't understand how it happened and that's well, part of what they need to do they gotta sell out on the team aspect because if they do that then I really feel like it differentiates from everything else that's out there. It was the one unique aspect to them that nobody else has. None of the tours have the team aspect. I, th I think from what I've heard that they're really going to market the team aspect next year with the branding and try and make it, you know, obviously they're trying to knock off Formula One anyways, you know, with the, the big podium celebration and all those goofy caddies up there. Jesus Christ, if I was a winning caddy, I'd be like, I'm not getting up there. I'm going to go look at my fucking bank account right now. I love it's, that they still have the aprons on. That's the best. They make them well, wear the aprons. Bibs. Yes. <laughs> the pips. Yeah. yeah, now they're all wearing the hoodies and they got, did you see Austin Johnson? Is there some... There's some somebody with a lot of money came up with this shaft company. It's called LA Shafts. Have you seen it? Have you heard yeah, of it? Yeah, it's like that shaft? stability shaft in the putter. Is that right? I don't even know what it is. It's probably a tree so. tapper shaft that's fucking painted and has their sticker on it. But he's got the L the the uh, so a, a lot of us veteran caddies make fun of the caddies that wear those sleeves, right? They think they're fucking Kobe out there or something like that. And they got the sleeve, they got the sleeves underneath, you know, and we, there's a few of us that make fun of them. And it's like, well, you can tell the difference between a real caddy and a bad caddy, the, you know, the sleeve, the sleeve guys and the non-sleeve guys, but they're all branded up head to toe. I did read that Wentworth said if these guys were going to play, they couldn't wear anything they had to do. Yes. Well, no, they asked them not to, they asked but there's, them. there wasn't in the actual letter 
There wasn't anything that said they couldn't. It just yeah, asked yeah. them politely if they would please not. Refrain. Because, yeah, Liv wanted, um, if you play in an event outside of Liv, they wanted you to wear the branding. So it'll be interesting to see if the guys do it or not. Yeah, and their website's horrible too, right? Have you noticed their website? You know, it's it not great. Four, it took me four ten uh, for four tournaments. I'm trying to figure out who's winning the team thing, and it finally just hit me last weekend that there's actually a button you can press to see what the team leaderboard is. You know, next to the next to the individuals. So you know, live recap. Here we come. Well, here's the other, yeah, here's the other thing. I mean, when it comes to the broadcast on YouTube. I actually yeah. really like it, but at the same time, their audio, they got to fix some of their audio issues. Like the, a lot of on Thursday or no, I'm sorry, on Friday, it's uh, Friday and Saturday. I, I was tuning in on my iPad, had my headphones on and there's like static as they're talking. And it's like, man, you got to clean that up. Like yeah. I, they have a very professional broadcast, but even a buddy of mine sent over a clip and goes, can you believe the uh, college intern that's running one of the cameras? Right. It was when Matthew right. Wolf hit one super tight and it's all blurred out because right. he couldn't zoom in, didn't follow the golf ball until like it was like an inch away from the cup. And then Matthew Wolf ended up making a hole in one out there too. But yeah, uh, saw that. yeah. <laughs> beyond Very that. Some monumental things happened. They had their first hole in one on Lib. Wow, that's huge. First playoff. Wow, that's double huge. I mean, wow, things are so... Things are so successful. That leaderboard, them, Bobby, I'm going to tell you, the leaderboard was, was really fucking good. It, yeah, it I was. Will, hey, I said, it, I said it last week. I'm like, this is yeah. the best field money can buy because that's really all it is, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, hey, listen, Dustin had his drop. For everybody that thinks that Dustin's unflappable or he's at the top of his game, he's, he's far from at the top of his game right now because I've already gone, oh, you know, if he was at the top of his game, he would have still been can in contention in majors the last, you know, since the November masters, but he really hasn't even been sniffing them because he just, you know, he's got to the point where he's been there, done that, right. He put in his 15 years of hard work and now he just took the gravy train cash and made another, well, 4 million for the individual and a three quarters of a million for the team. I mean, that's a nice little, you know, Oh God, it makes me sick to my stomach. Austin Johnson just made a fucking half a million dollars. Oh my God. At, I... at least the only thing that he, uh, is contributing, which I was I was talking about it over the weekend as as I was golfing with some buddies, uh, is the fact that he's got the aim point down. But it's hilarious to hear the conversations between him and DJ. No, 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 Bobby, you you got to hear this because the conversation is, hey, uh, yeah, you th you think it's a little outside, right? Oh, yeah. I got it, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you hear back and forth throughout the entire round. Well, let me tell you something. I've told you I played two hundred rounds with Austin jo with Austin Johnson, and and I've gone on record saying as soon as those greens books went bye bye because Bryson and Dustin were so dependent on those greens books, their putting, they you know their putting went in the shitter and that's my own personal opinion but i've played with with aj 200 times he's a fucking terrible putter and to be a good greens reader i feel yeah he could probably feel shit in his feet better than me but i i can bring up one example i want to say he was on 14 or 15 and he had some 35 or 40 footer pin high left and i was listening to the the very little comments and you know, and Austin's like, well, let me step here. And he's like two inches from the ball. He's like, oh, feel straight here. And it's like, yeah, no shit. If it, oh, it feels a little straight, feel straight. And then I got it going a little left at the hole, right? Did, did you see that putt? DJ Rams it by like 10 feet, right? 
So now they go through the whole fucking process again. He's stepping in, he's stepping in. And there's nothing worse than a caddy saying, I got it pretty straight, right? Because these, these guys want to know a tendency, don't they? You know, and I'm that's, what I'm, I'm, that's what I'm telling you. There's no specifics when he gives. And I've watched now, there's been three events to where this interaction, because they've got the caddies mic'd up and they're, they're airing this stuff live. And I'm mm-hmm. listening to the interaction between DJ and Austin. And I'm right. sorry, Austin. I'm gonna pick on you, man. I don't even know you, Do it. but yeah. you, you're, you would get murdered on a club level as a caddy. Yeah. Going, yeah, it's just a, a little bit outside to the right, or yeah, I think I got a break in a like a little bit. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, what is a little bit? Like, yeah. give me yeah. an actual like. show me like is it two inches is it six is it two balls outside is it a cup like give me those specifics but you know dj like you said he's very much i i wouldn't i hate to use the term savant because he's a smart dude that you've clued me into that he's not as dumb as he comes across right he he plays plays it down and definitely when him and austin go back and forth it's not really a back and forth. It's more so Austin kind of gives him a general idea and then DJ takes over and that's it. Right. And it's yeah. really interesting. Even on the last, when he drops that Eagle bomb and it almost goes by 10 feet, it hops up in the air and drops in the hole. Like there oh. wasn't much conversation and yeah. yet Austin goes through the whole aim point and yet yeah. DJ just fucking walks around. Well, that was, that was my point on that 10 footer on that 10 footer that he had coming, coming back where he's like, Oh, I got it pretty straight. And I'm like, did he not? It's funny. My five-year-old sitting next to me on the couch. I go, he's going to miss this low. And my five-year-old's like, what? And I go, he's going to miss this low. He goes, what's that mean? I go, he watch this. He's going to miss it low because it went left going by that way. They got it going straight this time. And of course it misses on the low side. Not that I'm any genius or anything like that, but I was just, Bobby, you're good at what you do. Don't even start with well, me right now. You know, I work for you're a, a legend. When, when I have multiple pros that we have interviewed on here that have told me how big of a legend you are as a caddy Ooh. and how, like, Matt Every really made a mention as to your, le- your legendary reputation because he's like, you know, I was intimidated. And this was actually when you lost connection for a second. Funny, it, funny, I never even... You know, I never he said he was intimidated. Shared that with me. Yeah, he said he was nervous playing with you on the bag because he didn't want to let you down. Yeah, well, shit. I, 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 I would. That's something I never. All my years of caddying, I would never even think about. You know what I mean? I, I would don't think of myself as legendary number one. But I mean, I think of myself as. I, I mean, if I chose a word, it would be experienced. Would be the only word but how that's about because that? you're a humble individual you're not well, one of these yeah. arrogant bastards yeah. that's out there I'm not. yeah no. I'm, I'm not you know i take my pot shots on social media and that kind of stuff you know what i mean just just because i get so it's just good-hearted <laughs> ribbing you know what i mean it's like this is sports you got to be a fan at some talk. point i love shit talking but how about that putty made going 847 miles an hour <laughs> and that's you know that thing is probably on the collar he's probably got eight, 15 feet coming but he's probably got 15 feet coming back. But the the one thing that I noticed that this is not a PGA tour event and there is no pressure for these guys because they've already got this big amount of money in their bank accounts is when are you going to see fuck? Cause Jocko Neiman's fiery, right? And Ani Bond's a little bitch and he's fiery too. That, if that fucking guy made a pot to win a, and it was a normal, a major or any tour event, those guys would not be hugging him and smiling and everything like that. Ani Bond gave him the, I well, no big deal. I made 1.8 million besides my guarantee. They'd be like, 
oh my god, that was going fucking fifteen feet by. It's like the putt that Keegan Bradley They'd be wanted pissed. to win. What? What'd They'd you say? be pissed. Yeah, they'd be pissed. They'd be Ben. It's like, it's funny. I'm really good friends with Keegan Bradley, and I'm really good friends with Duff, too. And when Keegan won that PGA in 2011 and beat Duff, you remember he buried that putt the, kind of the same way that Dustin's did. It went up, and it, it's like, oh, there's my home. And it came back down, and he wins. And fucking Duff, for two years straight, every time we played money games together when I was with Dustin, there not a day went by that fucking Duff wouldn't walk right up to him with that big old fucking dip in his mouth and go... Tell the truth. How far was that puck going? <laughs> How far was that puck going by? And Keegan couldn't take it anymore. Finally, he had to tell him to shut the fuck up. So <laughs> that's the difference. Remember, I was telling you I had a, bu- a buddy of mine who went to the what was Jersey Bedminster? Oh was yeah, that yeah. The- Trump Bedminster. Bedminster. Well, yeah. he he's a New York City businessman, pretty successful, and so he goes down to the Boston thing, and he calls me on Sunday night, and he goes, he goes, all right, here's the deal. There's people there. They're having fun. It's Boston. It's a sports crazy town. He goes, but can I tell you something? There is no decency out there with the fans whatsoever. They are ragged. They are fucking hammered. They are talking shit. The caddies can't get get people to hold still or to shut up. I guess they got the ropes up real close to where you can basically get right next to the player. And he he's like, it's it's you know, it's a different sort of crowds. So if that's growing the game to a different sort of crowd and you're bringing more people in, but you know, let me just say this, this whole party atmosphere, the PGA Tour actually started that in Scottsdale, which will be coming up to, you know, here at the turn of the turn of the new year. I was about year. to bring that up, Bobby, because yeah. the waste management, yeah, it is they like they it. just replicated what the waste management is to yeah. make it cool, yeah. young and hip. And what I'm going to say yeah. is it's working because the yeah, fandom working. is definitely like they have a product. They really yeah. do. And yeah, it's a good mm-hmm. product. It is. It still needs to be developed further, and it still needs to be refined. Which that's going to happen over time, right? If you have the right people involved, and like for instance, when Mark King comes in next yeah. year and yeah. starts to make it a little bit more, I would say you know Greg Norman's trying to make it very hip and very yeah. modern and young, and right. that was actually one of the things that I heard about the Boston event is that it was a very young crowd. That right. like it was lot of people in their 20s and that was kind of the majority but that being said um it is a replication of waste management so they kind of took that model and they're like let's do this for every single event and make it a party and make these guys celebrities and i think the guys that are out there want that celebrity status to where yeah it fits it's good it's now i say it's good it's good for the fans that want that right for the purists for the people that are uber competitive and you know more of the michael jordan Derek jeter types like they're gonna frown upon live golf which is fine because that's why you have two different types of tours and i think across the board everybody wants everybody just to get over this dynamic of you're the enemy i hate you you're the worst thing on the face of the planet. Like on both sides, by the way. So like you've got PGA tour fans who are just like, man, can't wait for live to stop all this BS. You've got live golf fans that are like PGA tour is the worst. They're copying everything that live does. And that leads us into our next topic, which is shorts or no shorts, because it's an antiquated rule in my opinion on the tour. Now, was there some styles from some guys 
from the U European side that were a little bit suspect with some calf socks. I mean, Hey Westwood, are we, are we waiting for a flood? My friend in Boston, was there rain know, on the I forecast? Felt, but as soon as I saw those socks on him, I'm like, Oh my God, this reminds me of freshman year in basketball in 1979 when I was riding the pine, those were the same socks that I got. Whatever happened to the no show foot joys? So those are out there too. You got the no-shows. Um, though that's more of the classic play. And I think a yeah. little bit more actually of a modern look. Like, yeah. I, But I did see, and this is going to put my foot in my mouth over Lee Westwood, is that Adam Scott was out on the driving range with that same look. And I'm like, oh, Adam. But uh -huh. at the same time, Adam can get away with anything that he oh, does. Yeah. So like that works. But when you got the belly hanging over the belt, You've got the calf socks up. I felt like I saw my grandfather out there. I'm like, what the hell is going on? This is like an old senior man. Just, I, I don't. It was the unbelievable. Whole, the whole shorts thing was a big breakthrough for the practice rounds. I get it when it's hot, but you know, golf's a gentleman's game. You know, I, and I just, I just don't think the that was Greg's big deal, right? Oh, we're gonna be the first one. We're gonna be the first ones to do shorts. It was and a just, good move, though, Bobby, because hey, now I mean, what's hey, the tour all, gonna do if they change the rule? Not Guess what? It's because of Live Golf. They won't change that. I will. I will bet. Not everything I got, but I will bet a lot, a chunk of my wonderful multi-hundredaire status that they will. They will not change that because. You're gonna wear shorts at Augusta, man. Really? They're not gonna allow that. We can't. We we can't get six inches out of our caddy hospital, out of our caddy locker room, without wearing our whites. We're supposed to be in our whites at Augusta at all times. You can peel them off and you take them off when you when you go into the caddy locker room. But if you set one foot out there, they got the secret. You know, they got the secret Augusta police out there, and they're like, no, 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 Mister Caddy, Mister So and So. You know, you got to put these out if if you want to go out. So you know. Maybe for them. I, I got a question. What for is you. your opinion on the shorts, though? Um, Before we get to your question, I don't like it. I don't like it. No, I don't like it. It doesn't look very classy to me at all. You know, granted, I never, I've probably never played golf in long pants and in in my life. I've always played in shorts, and if it's cold weather out, then the, my rain pants go over the shorts. But my per, my personal opinion is. I don't like it, but I think it fits with that tour, you know, and I think it's, I don't think it's any groundbreaking thing or it's going to bring more fans to the game. Oh, they wear shorts there. Let's go watch this tournament. That's I want to sure. see the style though. And all the different yeah. styles and everything. I think it does yeah. add a different like element yeah. to it. And it's yeah. kind of young, it's fresh. And like, I mean, yeah. I've heard from different age groups over the weekend, as soon as it was announced, like I, I had about a dozen people that all asked me what my opinion was on it. And just from my inner circle. And it's like, I'm okay with it. It's a little different to watch. Like it's different to see a guy out there with shorts on and then another right. guy with pants on. But you know, from a style perspective, I'm like, this could be kind of cool. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like I'm not against it. I'm not necessarily 100% for it. Um, yeah. Time will tell, but it is yeah. one of those to where like, I know a lot of the guys that, I mean, there wasn't that many guys that took advantage of it either. No, I noticed that. Well, it probably caught him off guard. It was probably a snap decision the night before, really, wasn't it? Because those guys, most of those guys like wearing shorts. They all wear them during the practice rounds, and they probably just didn't pack them or they didn't have their clothing company give their clothing company that's a good point time to to get them there. And you know, there's let's let me let me just say this: if you you go out to a PGA tour event and and 
watch these guys play practice rounds in shorts. Half of them, you half of them, it's quite funny, honestly, to tell you the truth, because they 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 don't have a tan. Not that that's a big of a deal, you know. A lot of them don't have a lot of style, so to speak, in their shorts. A lot of them are, you know, are very short, you know. And and I was raised at the age where, you know, a little a ten or an eleven inch short, not these. Shit, I talk shit about my buddy Scott Stallings, but you know, you got your shillelagh dangling. He's got the seven-inch shorts out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're tight. Up a vineyard. I live in Charleston, South Carolina, so all you got to do is go downtown Charleston for date night with your lady one night and walk up and down the street next to campus, and you're like, "Dick's hanging out right now. What is the deal with the pink belt and the, the the baby blue shorts and stuff like that?" So it's it's you know the the sock thing is a personal thing. You know, I'm not a big fan. It's funny. My son is that is an up and coming caddy and that kind of stuff. And he's, you know, SoCal skateboarder surfer grew up in that kind of stuff. And he wears the long socks with the colors on them and that kind of stuff. And I just want to grab him by the neck and go, this is golf, man. Get your, you know, get your foot joy or your Nike, you know, pet. Are they called peds? What do you call them? Peds or no shows or anything? No shows. I can't listen. Nike makes this, this, uh, ankle sock that I wear all the time. And it's got the old, remember the old yep. school Nike logo that had like the little, it's almost a heart and it's got two golf clubs going through it. And when Dick's Sporting Goods gets those in and cause I go once a week, you know, and I buy up every one of those son of a bitches. I got a bag full up getting ready for <laughs> Napa, the fifth major next week. And I don't know, that's just me. And I've always made fun of um, uh, DeChambeau's new caddy. You know, because <laughs> he's whether it's a marketing thing or not, I don't know. But he's wearing those things that, you know, they look like spandex or maybe they're supposed to be better for your muscles or people travel with those kites on in planes. That was like a big money making rage because it all comes down to money making. And speaking of DeChambeau's caddy, I was flipping through social media and I saw an interview because he's fucking big man on campus now. He's probably caddying an eight or ten you know, PGA tour events and three or four live events. So I guess technically if your player is the captain of the team, you're the caddy captain too. So oh I was cracking gosh. up because he's like, Hey, I called a, I called a caddy meeting with um, uh, all the guys on our team and we're going to go walk this golf course together. And I'm like, Jesus, that's all they need to do is go walk it. Bryson Deschambeau caddy style where you need to know absolutely everything. And can't really find Bryson with the search warrant right now these days. Did he top 10 last week? He might've no. or no, he didn't, he didn't. And so, <coughs> excuse me, I was cracking up because he's like, man, I learned so much from these veteran caddies and he's talking about tim the replacement player ani bonds um caddy how he was using colored pencils right and he's like oh my god i found out you he's using colored pencils and and if and i'll give tim credit he goes out he doesn't have the experience and i bagged on him before because he is a nervous wreck on the golf course right and you can sense when a caddy is a nervous wreck on the golf course because they're a nervous wreck for one reason they don't want to fuck anything up right and i get that you don't want to fuck anything up but it also takes away from the aura that you're presenting to your player of confidence and that you're prepared and very quick and there's not a lot of uh, I don't know and that kind of stuff but they're making a big deal out of using colored pencil he's like oh my god it was a great idea because I've been using highlighters and all that kind of stuff and I'm like what what, what do you need I mean why, why do you need all that stuff you should be able to how do I say this Dustin Johnson made a quote that I read a couple of years ago where he got into a tournament late on Tuesday night. He hadn't, he played nine, 18 holes on Tuesday did nine holes on Wednesday program they go man do you feel like you're prepared and he's like bro 
I've been playing golf my whole life. If I can't figure out a golf course in two days, I'm in the wrong business. And I feel like that's the same thing with caddies too. Now that there's, there's certain things that, that you need to know when you get out of position. And that's what most veteran caddies look for. You know, if you miss one left of the world or right of the world, where, where are you going to, where are you going to play checkers or where are you going to play chess to? And I say it to Troy all the time when we get out of position, I go, we're just playing a little chess here, or a little checkers, right? We're just going to move from point A to point B to, and, and try and get to point C and as, as few strokes as possible. So I don't know. I'm in a shit talking mood tonight, Matt. I love it, Bobby. Yeah. You're a little spicy, a little saucy tonight. I know I'm starting to get sad because now I got to go, you know, this is not really a break I've had for the last two and a half weeks. And I'm just, you know, you, you, when you take your little, when you're home for a few weeks and your boys are growing on you and you're growing on your boys and you know, you tuck them in a bed every night and you know that you're now all of a sudden you're on the clock. And this is when I start stressing out because I know that they're going to, you know, I'm going to the airport in five days. Granted, I only got to go for a week and then I come back home for, for two weeks. You know, we go to Napa and then we had the president's cup and the international team revealed there are six players. And yeah, this uh, was a live dynamic too, because you saw yeah. a bunch of players not on there, but that the, the, the golf it, channel right? was making it sound like they had to reach out to Ernie else to see if he wanted to play. No, like that's no. a good squad. Still. Listen, I looked at the players. Let's look at it. Siwoo. Yeah. Okay. Siwoo Kim. We, we, we all know Siwoo. It's feaster family with Siwoo, but Siwoo, I caddy for him in the president's cup when they got smoked, the internationals got smoked in 2017. he, he was like the the shining star of that because there was nobody he got beaten in singles to daniel berger but he also won a double he was responsible for one of the one and a half points i think that the team won so he is a good pick kh lee was a gem of consistency this year he's sneaky good um i've always raved about sebastian munoz it's either going to be 62 or it's going to be 75 that fits in that format matt pretty good um Cam Davis, I've been a huge yep. fan of Cam Davis. He's got all the shots up, down, low. He seems to rise to the occasion and when he needs to rise to the occasion. He's still, Ozzy's running a little hot, so he's still trying to get over that whole thing. Well, it'll be interesting to see how he does in this team format. Hey, sneaky good pick, Taylor Pendrith, right? Yes. You know, I Bob saw that 320. One. I was thinking of you. Yeah, Taylor Pendrith, and a guy that I know a little bit about from uh, South Africa. He's been playing on tour this year. Uh, let me see if I pronounce it right. Christian Bazwedenho, who good. has an unbelievable putter, unbelievable short game, um, unbelievable wedge player. So it's not like it's not like this is, you know, I mean, it's I not wouldn't. not a home run for the U.S. squad. No, it's not. But then if we went down the whole U.S. list, you would think it is probably a home run for them because nerves have something nerves has something to do with that. Because when you walk because all of these things are an arena, that first tee at a oh, Ryder yeah. Cup and a President's Cup. And I don't want to compare apples and oranges, but it is comparing apples and oranges, the Ryder Cup electricity to a President's Cup. But it is it is nerve wracking. I mean, I've done a few President's Cups and I just remember my one thought walking up to the tee was Jesus Christ, don't trip and fall in front of all these people that's like my big thing you know he's got to hit the shots you don't have to do anything don't fuck up any numbers and whatever you do don't make a fool of yourself so it's great for them the, this christian bizwedenho i can tell you is he he's got a reputation he had a caddy who's a buddy of his who's a great caddy i can't remember his name he's from south africa and and i never got paired with him but i i would hear the stories in the caddy hospitality that he just beat the shit out of this guy so at bmw this year 
Damon Green shows up, a buddy of mine. Damon Green is a famous caddy because he worked for Zach Johnson for 15 or 16 years, right? He did all the good. He was a, a he was a great Florida mini tour player himself. I, I want to say he's caddy. He's played in U.S. Senior Open, U.S. Senior Opens, U.S. Senior Britishes. I've caddied for him in a qualifier before. He's a great player, but he showed up on Christian Bezuidenhout's bag and BMW. I'm like, who are you working for, Damon? And, and he keeps to himself. He sits by himself. He's just kind of an old school guy. He's not in any clique or anything like that. He's anti that kind of stuff. So just on a little side note, it's cool to see that Damon Green is back where he belongs. He's a high profile caddy. He's going to be in a high profile situations, but the Americans are going to be, Americans are going to be huge favorites. You know, Charlotte is two and a half hours from my house. I'm almost, I'm almost tempted to I'm American through and through, right? But when I did that 2017 international, I just fell in love with all those guys and their attitude and the, the caddies are, fuck, I'm going to say it, the international caddies are, and European caddies, I mean, Americans don't like them and it's vice versa, but they grew on me, man, because they're they're cooler guys, right? They, they, they drink a little bit at night, they have fun, they're used to maybe having a headache in the morning and the the, cat, the American caddies are more more puckered up, more businesslike, and and you know obviously the tide shifted there in Australia at that President's Cup, and and I guess I just wanted to take my boys, but I was like, man, who do I root for? I got to root for the USA, and and then I started thinking to myself, and I'm like, well, I'm not taking my boys to that tournament, you know, everybody's crowded around two or three holes, and. And the next thing I thought, I'm like, man, if I get tickets, I wonder how much they're selling for. Maybe I'll just make a couple bucks doing it that <laughs> way and ditch those things. They got to be 300 a copy. <laughs> that, that, that's your businessman hustle right there, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, no shit. No shit. No shit. So it should be, it, it should be, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be it's, great the first day or the first two days they were with it? They stayed within striking distance and they just careered because they weren't supposed they to be will. that. Yeah, they weren't supposed to be that close to him in Australia. And granted, they had, you know, Abe Answer and and who else? And they had Waco and they had Joaquin Neiman and that kind of stuff. They had all kinds of talent. But you know, you throw in you you throw in Scotty and and uh, Jason Day's out of there. He was getting a little old for it. And you know, Sung Jay and those guys. So man, three Koreans on that team, right? Three yeah. Korean, Korean golf is it's impressive. Green golf is is up and coming. That's for sure. So it is. It should, it should be. It should be. It should be fun. One. It should Here's be the dynamic one. to it, right? Is that you know all the pressures on the Americans, right. especially with all the players that were pulled off from the the Presidents Cup squad for the international right. team because of the standpoint that you know they're playing on live golf. They can't play on the Presidents Cup anymore. Which I think that really upsets fans too because it's like they want to see Camp Smith playing the president's cup. And I mean, right. that's one guy that, you know, as we kind of segue into the fan dynamic here, it is, it's interesting, but I do see that the dynamic that will come into play is that the international group will come out very hot and strong. Yeah. Especially that first day. And then they may fade away as yeah. it goes on, but yeah. I see them being competitive. I don't see yeah. it being just an absolute domination by the U.S. Because yeah. what happens when you have a ten-shot lead? It's, yeah. it's tough to close out, right? Yeah. And that's it what is. it's going to feel it like is. for the U.S. team is that yeah. they're expected to dominate, and yeah. not only dominate but to destroy and really step on the throats of the international squad and really make a precedent there that hey, we are, we are the young 
U.S. team that from now on, Ryder Cup or President's Cup, we're going to dominate. And I think that's a lot of pressure to hold. It's a lot of pressure yeah, on and, your shoulders. And and uh, I'll tell you what, there is Quail Hollow to me is a great golf course. Quail yes. Hollow to me was a great golf course before they went in and tweaked it for this President's Cup a few years ago before they changed a few holes on the front side and nobody and they changed 16 and nobody was a big fan. My point is there is no in between. You either love Quail Hollow or you hate Quail Hollow. There's True. nobody that's just in the middle. So there's a lot of dramatics that can happen. There's a drivable hole on that side. You know, 16's a beast, 17 is a 17 of those greens get going hard firm in this time of year. Don't know if that's going to happen because here in the South, you know, I live pretty close. You get those storms, those boomers in the afternoon that could soften things up. But 17's always been a green that it's funny when you get a green that is 38 paces deep, Matt, and you got a pin that's on 32 and you're trying to land at six on, right? Or eight on. So anything can happen there. 18, we've all seen the dramatic. Don't hook it. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And I'm getting to that 18 T shot because Rory got it done. But, you know, they do have Max Homa got it done there. I believe that was his first win. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, and, and, and a lot of these, a lot of these international guys haven't really seen that golf course a ton. So that could be a good thing, right? Cause they might not have any scar tissue, but like you were saying, it would be nice if they could keep it close and, and put, put the, put the squeeze on them. So. I think it will be until the final day. I really do. I think yeah. international squad's going to come out very strong initially. And yeah. again, it's going to be because yeah. all the pressure's on the Americans and then they'll fade away as, you know, experience comes into play, especially yeah. under pressure. And I think that's where the Americans are going to thrive. Right. And so it'll be, an, it, it'll be a fun and entertaining president's cup. I don't know if right. it'll have the exact same feel as former ones, but it should. Yeah. Yeah, it should. It, 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 no, it, it definitely should. There's no doubt about it. What else you got? What else is on the agenda? Well, so here's the thing. I polled uh, 128,000 people in the Live Golf Forum. So it's a very biased crowd, right? Um, they're, they're all very much about Live Golf. And I found some interesting dynamics, but I asked the question, what's the best outcome for the game of golf? And I gave mm -hmm. five different options, but there was three in particular, that really dominated the answers. 56% of the voters stated uh -huh. that they want the players to be able to play in both the PGA Tour and Live Golf and compete in all the majors. That's probably not realistic, but here's the thing. That's from the fans' perspective. And if you look right. at the mission from the PGA fans, though, Tour... Right? The live fans, right? Correct. And right, so okay. that is definitely one of the big ones. Now... But here's the thing. A lot of live fans are PGA Tour fans still. Sure. It's not that they're completely one-sided. It's just that they're jaded because the PGA Tour, like to a lot of people, it's not logical to all of a sudden find $200 million, to all of a sudden create all these new programs and all these new right. things that are going on. So like it gives that, here's the thing. A lot of people don't like big corporations, right? It's right. like, oh, they're greedy, it's this, it's that. And that's a lot of the sentiment that a lot of people are just reading into. They're assuming that the PGA Tour is bad because of that. Now, that's on the Live Golf side. Now, 27% want Live Golf players to be able to compete in all four majors. So the tours would be separate, and they would play in their own events, but they want them to be able to play in all four majors. And then really 8% was the minority group of that which wants the separation between the two and for the players to only this was interesting because eight percent is still a decent percentage of these fans 
They only want the live golfers to be able to compete in the U.S. Open and the Open Championship. So I found that very interesting um, as a whole, which kind of brings me to the point that, you know, as I'm looking into the live golf, and I try to add some perspective in there as well, so that it's not just a completely, this is the problem with Facebook. The algorithms make you in a bubble to where only people that agree with your opinions are mm-hmm. the people and posts that you see. So mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, I want to kind of break that within some of these forums that are so one-sided. So I added some comments in there. And one of the things that I added was uh, on a post that was about the fact that Rory, Tiger, and JT are bitching and moaning about the live guys. And if they could just cut it off and look how classy the live golf guys are. And you and I can laugh about that because we know a lot of the guys on live and we're like, yeah, they're, they're not the classiest guys in the world. Um, some of them, but there are like Cam Smith is a very classy individual. Mark Leishman, everybody loves like some of the new additions for sure. And it made me think, and I started to realize and a lot of the comments that started coming in, because I'm like, listen, look at it from the optics or the lens from like a Rory, a Tiger, a JT. And they kind of got a little bit uh, jaded around the fact that I said, when it comes to the PAC, the Players Advisory Council that the PGA Tour has, that these guys are the ones that are building the current day PGA Tour. And yeah. Tiger obviously has had his impact um, from the tour and growing it to where it is today. But then you look at it through their optics, their lenses, as a Rory McIlroy, for instance. And if you had a business and somebody's trying to do a hostile takeover on your business, you're not going to think very highly of those people. And you're probably going to have a pretty jaded view around that. So I added that in there. And sure enough, one one of the biggest things that caught my eye of the comments, because a lot of them were ridiculous and just like not thought out people's opinions haven't evolved from the very beginning of all of this but was the international side around the fact that the pga tour is so american based and that it is tied to only america it's america's tour and there are a lot of international people that really look at live golf as their replacement for the european tour well that's just really an avenue i mean i've been to europe back and forth numerous numerous times and you know you always hear the greedy american comment right i mean that's goes the big usa i mean superpower greed money blah 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 um you know i think that's just a a small avenue of that feeling right there but i will say this isn't there something in the works for not this current season but the season after where we're going to have some mega tournaments that are going to I think the word's out that we're going to have maybe four or six events that are going to travel all it's over gonna the be, globe. Yep. But would that have happened without Live Golf? No, That's the thing. And what, I, what I'm seeing is that a lot of international fans are kind of tying themselves to Live Golf as the former European tour. <laughs> and it's like DP World Tour isn't getting the kind of light that the European tour did because back, back in the day, the European tour had all the top European guys and they barely came over to the States and played on the tour and every once in a while they would. And of course the 15 events was kind of the Seve rule to where it's like, Oh, Seve can't come over and just dominate PGA tour events. He needs to stay over there or else he needs to become a full fledged PGA tour member and compete in 15 plus events. It's just a dynamic that I want everybody to think about because 
is it so wrong that both tours exist as long as four times out of a year, in my opinion, yeah. we get to see all the best players compete? And I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm okay with that. But until World Rank, well, this is, they better jump, you know, hope these guys, if they're going to play in the majors, it's only going to happen here in the next year, possibly the next two, unless world rankings change or live, right? Because they're not going to be eligible. Past champions obviously are going to be eligible for Augusta and that kind of stuff. But there's other categories to get in. You know, if you finished in the top, I think top eight at Augusta or something like that, you get in every major. There's a bunch of different categories that people aren't aware of, but that's with no world rankings, that's going to go out the window for a majority of them. But, you know, and that brings us to this super tournament that's happening this week at Wentworth over there, you know, where it's a, where it's a super stacked field and, and, you know, Billy went on record and John Rahm went on record saying, Hey, these guys, you know, this, a few of these guys are only over there for, for that reason. And Billy was, you know, Billy called a spade a spade. He's like, they're not here to support, the dp world tour they've they've never been there before and he actually gave dumb dumb you know read a shout out you know the cheater a shout out saying that you know at least he's come over back and forth and i'm like well of course he's come over there because he's getting a fucking huge retainer to go over there and play so we we will see i mean i'm kind of you know i'm a little bit like you and and harrington and some quite a few thousands of people that are like yeah the major should have the cream of the crop there i just want what's best for golf right as a a fan yeah it's like i think everybody could land in the middle which that middle is let live golfers be on live let the pga tour players be on pga tour figure out a way to include the live golfers in the world golf rankings because they do have some of the best golfers in the world and it's not like it is a retirement tour anymore it's more of a lifestyle tour and, right. you know, to your point earlier on, I do have to add this. DJ smiling and laughing in the playoff with yeah. Joaquin and Anabon. Like, that doesn't happen on the PGA Tour. No, you tour. never see that. It's kill, it's kill or be killed. The competition is just like, hey, no, fuck you. You're not going to beat me. I'm going to beat you. And I said that before from watching at Pumpkin Ridge. Everybody's, you know, all your chitter-chatter is the first hole, the first two holes doesn't matter it's more on thursday and friday but when you get (coughs) excuse me to the weekend that kind of shit doesn't happen i want to bring up one thing (coughs) live golf's never going to make money right how how, how much money are they losing with these forget the contracts they're in in a huge amount of debt but the problem is well Well, it's not a problem it is a good thing for them they have endless resources so as long as they keep funding it it's going to exist yeah right exactly exactly i just think that's you know, it is what it is when you're dealing with the Saudis, right? They're just going to keep shelling in more money and shelling in more money. And and the way things are going, it's a good thing that they only have 48-man fields, right? Jesus Christ. Troy Merritt would be top 10 in the world here if they if they had 100, 120-man fields, that's for sure. So, you know, we shall, we shall see. Man. Well, Bobby, here's the ending, and this is going to be okay, a slight Tom. little pitch to – all of our audience members and so forth. So Bobby's got the pull hook golf hat. That is the yes. classic snapback. I've got the Brandon Bills um, pull hook hat. And uh, sure enough, this will be on the uh, website here shortly. This is also, so the pull hook golf t-shirt. We've got that in the shop. So uh, for all of our audience members that are still listening at this point, you're clearly a diehard. And uh, we would love to have you um, rep 
Pull Hook Golf, spread the word, yes, subscribe, please. leave a review on the podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But we love you guys. This is why we do what we do. We want to give you the insights, the real scoop, the yes. unfiltered side. And Bobby, thanks again, my man, thank for you. tuning, coming on. And thank you, audience, yeah. for tuning in. What do we got? What do we got next week? Well, we'll do the BMW recap. We got to recap week. the BMW. There's it's going to no, be a lot of info. Yeah, and then we have the live event coming up. Where are they next? Chicago, and that's the yep. same week. Oh, I'm calling it right now. That's the same week as Napa. So everybody buckle your seatbelts because I, I'm sure uh, Chairman Emeritus Greg's going to go on and go, oh, look at the world rankings at Napa compared to the world rankings in Chicago. And I'm like, yeah, well, Greg, why don't you schedule something against the Memphis or the BMW or something like that or Memorial or Bay Hill or something like that. So that's going to be his little He's deal. He's taking we'll on the, the smaller events. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, he's he's, a, he's smart that way. That's yeah, the dance. Yeah. He catches it on an off week, and now he's got that one coming up versus Napa. And I'm sure, you know, next year he's he's probably already strategizing his dates on something like that. So, um, uh, thanks for having me on, Matt. Always Bobby, a pleasure. Thank you. Tuesday nights. All right, Absolutely. buddy. Absolutely. Take care. So long, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to season two of the Pull Hook Golf Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe and go to www dot for more information.